Hello and welcome to the State News Sports Roundtable. I am your host, Eli McCowan, and today I am joined by Sarah Tidwell and Jana Baradol. We are discussing the Big Ten's recent decision to move to a conference-only season, as well as doing some MSU-related trivia. So, Jana and Sarah, how are we doing today? Pretty good. How are you? I'm, I'm not going to lie, like, not that great. Because, like, we probably aren't going to have football in the fall, and I'm really sad. That's, uh, yeah, that's relatable. How are you, Jaina? I'm doing pretty good. Had a busy day so far, but ready to talk about sports for a little bit. <laughs> I feel like every time I talk about sports anymore, like, it's really sad because just every time I have, like, a take or a thought on anything, be like, well, if it happens, you know, mm-hmm. or when it, you know, and then... Or if it is happening in the case of, like, the Premier League or most of the soccer leagues are back now, like the NWSL or something, I'd be like, yeah, this team will probably win if it doesn't get all cut down, you know, stop before then. <laughs> I, it's just, I'm so tired of it. I hope this whole thing gets fixed soon. Apparently, they, they made progress on a vaccine. That was mm-hmm. yesterday. I saw that, yeah. So, it also still makes me sad, like, seeing the sports chat name and sports is, like, in quotes. <laughs> Yeah. It's <laughs> just like, that hits a little bit. You're just like, oh, oh. Like, wow. like, we all haven't had it in so long. Like, the last Michigan State sporting event that I was at was Michigan State, Ohio State. That Sunday before I'm... everything went to went bad. So. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember. I think mine might have been the big fives for gymnastics, but it's been, like, five or six months. So, like, I have no idea where I was because I know I skipped the one on spring break that we talked about but I can't I don't know it's been way too long yeah for sure I'm just surviving with like videos on Twitter of old sporting events and stuff like that because I follow like gymnastics people and football people and just like they just post highlight reels so that's what's kind of like keeping me going a little bit we need to get you get you guys both a premier league team then because they, they're, like, three times a week playing, and it's, like, the best soccer league there is. I would say the NWSL, but the NWSL is behind a paywall. So, like, after the first game, I was only able to watch, like, one game, and I was all into it. I was, like, really excited to watch and get because I, I really enjoyed watching U.S. women's soccer when they were in the World Cup last year. And then now everything's on, either is on CBS All Access, and I'm like, well you put it behind a paywall. So it's really frustrating right now because I want to watch that, but mm-hmm. it's behind a paywall. Any kind of like membership to any kind of sporting like site to watch it. So I just got it on Twitter. That's it. Mm-hmm. Or Instagram, you know, words free. Yeah. Journalist well, salaries don't really allow for um, memberships to many things. If you guys feel me on that one. We just need to get you a Premier League team, and you'll and you'll be set. <laughs> but today we are discussing the Big Ten's recent decision to move to the conference-only season. Um, Jaina, you were our uh, reporter on this one, writing that brief. So for those who don't know, what was the Big Ten's decision, and what was that going to kind of look like moving forward? Yeah, so the Big Ten came out. It was kind of circulating on Twitter that they were going to announce it, so... I was kind of watching it throughout the day that they announced, which um, was July 9th, so a couple days ago. Um, So they announced that all fall sports 
including football and then also men's and women's cross country, field hockey, soccer, and women's volleyball will operate on a conference only um, schedule. But a big part of their announcement also was they said if the season happens, they were leaving a lot of ifs and they weren't saying we're definitely doing an in-conference season. They they said if the season happens, it will be in-conference. So there's still a lot of questions up in the air, but um, I thought it was um, like they were the first one of the first um, conferences to announce that for only an in-conference season. So I was kind of surprised at the announcement so early. I wasn't expecting it, but it still leaves a lot of questions up in the air for sure. So Sarah, as our public and mental health beat reporter, uh, I mean, what was your thoughts on it from a, a medical standpoint on what this may be able to help change or do anything different? Uh, the first thought that crossed my mind was, um, I was like, well, how does coronavirus know the difference between conference games and non-conference games? Because either way, you're going to be seeing people who are not in your school, who you don't know if they're being tested, you don't know if they're taking safety precautions. Same as if we're, we're on campus and you see somebody in your residence hall or you see somebody on the sidewalk, like you don't know if they're taking precautions and doing what you're doing. So I feel like my first thoughts were like, that. this all like doesn't really make any sense. I feel like we should just have the normal, like if we're going to have a season, just have the normal season. Um, I can kind of see like, since it's conference, like we wouldn't be going down south as much. It would be like sur- like the surrounding states, like Ohio State, and we'd be in schools in Michigan. But there's still traveling aspects, and traveling regardless of if it's to Ann Arbor or if it's to Miami are it's the same like risks that you're taking. So I just I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, like I don't really think that they understand the bigger picture as well as health professionals do. I think one of the interesting things about it is, is the Big Ten is a huge conference that goes from Nebraska to New Jersey. So this isn't like a small conference by any means. And it's a lot of other teams from other conferences are also in this area, not just like our non-Power Fives, like Mac, like the MAC, who have like Western, Central, Eastern, Toledo, whoever may be in that area, but also like Iowa has like a major rival in their state, like Iowa state that they're now no longer going to be able to play. And the one thing that I have heard as to why the big 10 may have made the decision the way they did was that this may allow the big 10 to tell their 14 teams in the league, like, Hey, this is what, how we want you to conduct testing rather than maybe the entire, um, NCAA, because the problem is like the SEC is probably going to have a much different um, testing policy than the Big Ten. Unfortunately, a lot of these Southern conferences have some different views on the coronavirus pandemic. Um, And I think it is going to be interesting to see how the Big Ten continues to handle it. Um, I was able to speak with the Big Ten commissioner about his conference only decision. And uh, one of the things Jana just mentioned there that the Big Ten emphasized a lot was if we can play a season, if we can um, do this, then we will, we're going to do this. And when I, when I asked him about that, why he left it and if, he said that it, what it comes down to is, is things have to get better. And it, if, if it isn't safe for our student athletes, we're not going to do it. And I do think there has, it does have to get better because right now our cases are higher than they've ever been in our country, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Sarah, am I correct on that? 
Uh, yeah, we broke 3 million last week, I think. So a good majority of the U.S. population. I think, like, I read this thing on Facebook, and it was, like, 1% of the population is, like, it was a big chunk of the population. That's all that I know. I heard that Ingham County's cases are trending downward, but I'm not for sure. Um, and then there's, like, states, other... I, there's other states that are really high risk that Ingham County Health Department has been like tweeting out. Like if you go here, we recommend you quarantine. So I think it just, it is trending downward, but at the same time, that's not the case for every state. So like we're going like, I don't, I'm not good with graphs, but like we're going downward, but some people are going upward. And that's why the the total case number is rising still. But like personally in the space that MSU is in, like, they're seeing maybe five or six cases a day. There's not as many as there was prior. Like even the Harper's breakout, they said has gone through two incubation periods and anybody who went at that time, like if they're not sick, they're not sick by now. So like even the big outbreaks that they've been having are coming to a close and they're not in big concern anymore. So I would say that like, yeah, things are going down, even though the the biggest number in the States isn't. It is for us and Spartan territory. Can I also just throw out there, how is it Harper's and not Rick's that to have the coronavirus outbreak? Yeah, I think that is the most ironic thing, but also Harper's is a restaurant and also, so I think that's why they were open and Rick's wasn't because Rick's is strictly alcohol. Oh, is Rick's still shut down? They never opened back up? Yeah, Rick's, my friends were at Harper's and... They said that Harper's was one of the only places open, so. See, I always forget they serve food at Harper's because it's just, I, like, there I don't know why. There was one I went there with my dad, and he was like, let's, yeah, let's go to dinner at Harper's. And I was like, dinner at, I was like, do I need, like, an ID? Like, I'm not 21. He was like, you know it's a restaurant until, like, 9 p.m., right? And I was like, oh, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. When I saw that Mel Tucker posted a picture he was like yeah i got takeout from harper's it's like oh no what is you doing no 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 like i love the local business shout out but man that was not the right place to go to (laughs) speaking of mel tucker though obviously the football program he's going into year one this is a huge impact for him this changes a lot i mean jane i'll bring it back to you i mean what do you think this could have an impact on for his football season now i'm not sure that was i i wanted to look I remember when the Big Ten first announced this, and I think on ESPN they had an interview with, um, shoot, I'm forgetting who the interview is with right now, but they meant, it was one of the coaches, and he mentioned, like, if you're a first-year coach, this is kind of a big obstacle for you right now, um, and it kind of confused me. I kind of wanted to look in, like, how much, you know, being a first-year coach I wish we were able to talk to him and kind of how he's doing and figure out what their practices are looking like right now. Um, I mean, it leaves him with a lot of uncertainty and the fact that we're going to come in with a new quarterback as well. So there's a lot of uncertainty with the MSU football team coming into this season in the first place. And now they're not even sure who they're playing or how the games are going to look. Um, I don't, but yeah, we haven't, um, talked to Mel Tucker there hasn't been much availability with the football team recently so I'm not really sure what do you think I mean I think one of the other things about them too is um I mean 
one of the other things that kind of got overlooked, I think, at the Big Ten's decision is also that the NCAA's practice plan to begin mandatory practices on July 13th, or it was, it was either like, it was like July 13th if you're playing on week one, and then that weird week zero thing where like a bunch of Mountain West schools always play in like a week before everyone else does for some unknown reason, for whatever, like they could start a week earlier. But the, the mandatory practices were going to start July 13th. And then now that those are no longer mandatory anymore. So now it would be interesting to know how many players have opted out and chosen not to come. And that's something we haven't really become totally clear on because and the one thing that has been positive, the latest round of testing for their football team was everyone was, or for the student athletes was all came back negative, mm-hmm. which is good news for them. But I do think for Mel Tucker, like from the beginning of this, I mean, the first thought was when everything went, because I think the day everything went crazy and everyone got kicked out of campus was like about a week before spring practices were going to start. And I I always thought Ross Ells, he's their new linebackers and special teams coordinator. He said when they somebody asked him during one of his availability things, they asked him about, you know, have you figured out a kick returner yet? Like someone you could have in the kick return. He goes, I haven't seen a kicker kick, a punter punt, somebody run, lift a weight, anything. And because the one thing that will help him going forward is that there are some people on that staff that remain but this is something that they have a lot of new people that still haven't, or this is the first time they're even seeing these guys lift or run during these voluntary workouts. And that's something that's going to hurt them going forward, I think. But we'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see with the conference season now. They lose the BYU game traveling out to Provo. Miami's no longer coming in. That was homecoming week, which it'll be interesting to see now what, I can't imagine them doing any kind of homecoming gatherings or celebrations at this point. Yeah. Um, I think too, a lot of people are going to judge Mel Tucker by the season because, you know, it's his first season. He's officially like running the team. And I feel like they're going to forget the fact that like, we're going through something that is definitely going to um, be detrimental to his work and what he can do. So I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's, I've seen a lot of comments that are like, um, on the, their MSU football Twitter, like people will comment like hate and they'll be like, um, why do we need football just so like you guys can go seven and six again, like all this kind of stuff. And it's like, you gotta, you know, give Mel Tucker a chance. You have to give his, like his staff a chance, but not this year. You have to give him a chance next year too. You can't hate him this year if we lose every game because we're going through something that nobody has ever gone through in their lifetime, at least not student wise. Um, so it's just like, I don't, I, I really hope that people like understand that when they're evaluating the team this year and they're making comments on social media and things like that. Like you really have to look at the bigger picture here. It's not just about like Mel Tucker and what he's doing right now. It's about what he's doing through a global pandemic that has killed over 138,000 people in America, I'm pretty sure, and is still infecting over 3 million people. So, And not to mention that when Mel Tucker was hired, with, or go back a little further than that, when Mark D'Antonio retired, it was the beginning of February, and everyone was criticizing D'Antonio, they're like, why did you wait this long to retire? Because now, like, he was getting put in a late situation to begin with. 
Like before, before the pandemic, people were giving him like, well, he got the start late. So maybe we should look into that. And then the pandemic really set him back. So I I think you're absolutely right, Sarah. Like it is something that I think fans are gonna have to look into that. I wrote a column before coronavirus, the coronavirus about patience for him, because it was something that like, this is a team that had just lost, I think it's eight of their 11 starters on defense, at least eight. I know that. And offense was just, I mean, we know what the offense was last year. Just flat out not good. Um, and like Colorado isn't the same as Michigan State. So he no. has, like, he's working with everything brand new. He has no, like you said, he has no idea how these kids operate, which is something that a coach needs to know. And they haven't been having practices, um, at least full team, I don't think, because of, like, they're voluntary now and some kids might not want to show up. So I just, yeah, I feel like, if you're going to make a hate comment on social media or you're going to criticize Mel Tucker and the staff, you just have to look at the bigger picture. Like you keep your mouth shut and realize like what's going on. Scotty Hazleton said that too, said back and his media availability back. I don't even remember when it was. I'm losing track of time anymore. He said, there's only so much you can learn from a zoom call when you're talking with somebody, you know, he's like, I'm, I, he goes, I'm just trying to figure out, what to say in a Zoom call to make somebody laugh, like let alone to try to teach them a whole new system and how to learn things. So this is going to be a really big year for Mel Tucker and his new staff for if there is a season played and we'll see going forward. I'm not extremely optimistic, Um, but if that does happen, there's a lot of obstacles in his way. When there was a full season, not to when the off the non conference season was included, Michigan State was widely regarded to be one of the hardest hardest schedules in the country before, and I think the over under on wins for him was set at two and a half by Vegas with the conference schedule. So I mean, basically, they're saying he's going to beat Maryland and Rutgers, and then maybe he wins one other game. Is the way they're looking at it for the conference season, which I don't think that's that out of the question if they do have a conference a conference only season um but yeah it's definitely gonna be really interesting to see if it is the conference season i mean what he can put together in just this short time with everything going on but the other important one here is is non-revenues who may be more impacted by this than just football where because without the money for football if football doesn't happen the non-revenues are gonna be the one to face the wrath of that rather than the football program and I think this is something that's really big. Um, Sarah, I'll start with you since you were covering gymnastics prior to this. I mean, for the non-revenues, what could this mean for them going forward if without playing and that, what their impact could be? Oh, God. Um, like we've seen a lot of other schools, I can't remember which Michigan school it was specifically, it might have been CMU, but I could be wrong. Cut their men's track program. CMU. Mm. Yeah, okay. So I feel like some of the non-revenues might end up getting cut from whether it's forever or just for the year or two to kind of build up the money that they are losing from football, um, which is really sad because a lot of the non-revenues, and I'm sure all, all of us on Sportsdesk have at least covered one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure. But... So, like, we know the impact that they have on these students, even though the audiences aren't big, it's still, like, taking a toll on the student-athletes because it's something that they have trained their whole lives to do, 
And just because billions of dollars don't go into it like football, it's, I feel like it shouldn't be treated any differently. But that's sadly, you know, not the case. And it, it's really going to suck if like volleyball or track or gymnastics or any of these smaller sports get cut because it means as much to these student athletes as football does to those student athletes. And I guess I just wish that like the universities could see that before they make the cuts. But then again, like sometimes they're at the end of the road and they have to make big decisions like that, which obviously suck. But that's just the way that life, the ball rolls through life sometimes. Yeah, I agree. I think the money factor is a big thing that hasn't really been talked about because obviously the Ivy League just came out and canceled fall sports in like for sure. But then also they make like their sports make a fraction of the money that sports that football in the Big Ten does. And I know that shouldn't mean as much when you're like comparing a like global disease to money, but like it does matter, especially when it comes to those non-revenue sports and it just it comes to the conference in general it's a big money maker and that is definitely something that hasn't been addressed really by any of the conferences but it's for sure on their minds and that's where the big dilemma comes into play I think yeah especially because our entire country runs on money so like that since the economy is taking this downfall all of the things that we love are going to also take the downfalls so just like students might be losing their sport in college or even just their season like regular students are going to be losing the fun that they get to have um and I don't know if you guys saw but I think it was Wendy that tweeted out um somebody on the MSU staff said that like four percent of tuition dollars are spent in the classroom and the rest of it is spent on other things in the school I'm not sure if that's like specifically football but I feel like if football does doesn't happen I feel like they also have to look at, like, like this is my opinion, but I feel like they should look at um, cutting, like, the tuition prices again, which I know probably wouldn't happen. But just, like, I feel like if they're not having sports and things that students are spending money on, then, like, there's going to be a kind of an uproar of angry students spending 75 to 800 or 7500 to $7,700, like, on tuition, and it's just... The money aspect, Jana's right, is just like a huge thing. And I feel like it, it matters more than a lot of people really put to mind because they're more concerned about the sport than they are what goes into it. And they, we can't have the sport if we don't have what goes into it, if that kind of makes sense. Something I've been looking into and I've been trying to look into for a story is how much would you know Michigan State Athletics in particular hurt from a loss in a football season? In a typical year where there isn't coronavirus going on, the football program brings in $78 million in revenue for the uh, university. So some of that revenue, would, would some of the profits being brought in or some of the money being brought into the school would still happen because of people buying T-shirts, buying whatever. But, I mean, we're talking, I mean, $78 million in the Michigan State school budget is a lot of money. And it's more than basketball as well which is crazy to believe, but I mean, it's a huge dollar amount. Um, Jane, I want to ask you this, because this was something I was looking into as well, is the scheduling now for the Big Ten only. Was volleyball, what were their matches mainly like? Was that more of a conference schedule or were they also doing a lot of non-conference games as well? Um, When I covered volleyball, it was, 
Yeah, in the beginning of the season, it was out non-conference games, and then it moved into in-conference. So similar. Um, I haven't looked at the volleyball schedule, but I know for football, they changed, they deleted the schedule from the mm-hmm. website, and it says to be announced. So I'm assuming they probably did that with the other sports, and it'll be interesting to see if they're going to keep the original dates conference games were supposed to be on or if they're going to postpone those maybe. So there's more opportunities for kind of the teams to prepare if the season does happen. Um, But yeah, now the seasons are up in the air as well. I was curious because I was looking into um, the scheduling for those fall sports because I was wondering like, okay, how many games are now being cut and will they have to try to find a way to reschedule cross country, for example, only had one race out of, I believe it was at least like around 10 races they had officially on their website. One race with Big Ten only schools. The rest of them were all teams with non-conference teams in them from all across the state, all across the country. So this would, it would result in a very, very big change for a lot of the non-revenue sports who don't race against just their conference unless it's the Big Ten title race or match or whatever, that kind of thing. Because I assume track's probably very similar. I didn't look into track, but I assume they're also very similar. Um, So that's going to be a huge scheduling conflict if they do end up being able to play this fall. And I'm very curious to see how that goes. Um, I asked Big Ten Commissioner Warren what they, they were planning on for football. Um for those three non those three non conference games they lost and they said it, it has been reported. I saw a couple reports out there. Somebody said they're going to add one game. I asked Commissioner Warren about it. He said that that was not true and they're still waiting to make a decision on what they're going to do with those three games, whether they scrap it, um, reschedule a game two, three from football. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they end up working that for like cross country because it's also the same thing like if you have 14 teams and you're running against each other 14 times or like, you know, 10 times or whatever, like it's just, it's going to get repetitive. It'll be interesting to see how they do some of these sports, but. Um, I just looked up the volleyball schedule and it said it's all for 2020. It's only showing what was happening in um, March and like April and all of them say canceled. And then it doesn't go past April. Mm. I tried, I was like looking up for like fall 2020 and nothing was coming up. So. I'm interested to see how the non-revenue schedule now, because for football, they I, it's f- fairly simple. They have nine. It's pretty set. They do 12 games. But for some of the non-revenues, that's not always like concrete the way that goes, like how many non-conference conference games. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they reschedule if they end up figuring this out, especially for a sport like cross country, if they're going to do like duels maybe. That way you have less people there maybe or something or I'm a cross country, former cross country runner. So that's what's on my mind. Like that sort of rolls through, but I wasn't sure with like volleyball or, or field hockey. What else is, what else? Cause what else is there in the fall that they're losing? And um, men's and women's soccer. Oh, men's and women's soccer. Yeah. I know men's and women's soccer. They do some of both. So it'll be interesting to see how they reschedule if they'll decide to cut some games or if they'll play teams twice or something along those lines. Um, mm-hmm. But is there anything else you guys want to add about this Big Big Ten Conference-only season? I mean, I don't know if it's too optimistic, but I hope it happens or something like that happens. I mean, my, my opinion on it is it's going to, as things open up, it's going to be controversial 
you know, the first sporting event is going to be controversial. Schools go back, that's controversial. Um, And it's dangerous. And there's like dangers to it. And there's also advantages to it. But I don't there's not going to be a time when we have like zero cases, and it's just completely disappeared from society. So I mean, you have to move on with precautions and with the knowledge we've acquired throughout the months of going through it. And I think that I think the Big Ten is keeping a close eye on it. And I mean, I hope it happens. And I think there comes a time when it's not going to get to zero and it's going to be difficult to get back to normal. And it's not going to be normal for a while, but there needs to be baby steps. And I'm hoping just even some kind of fall sports games could be part of those steps. Yeah, I agree with Jenna. We um, definitely have to look at the bigger picture. Like I said earlier, um, this isn't something we've ever been through. It's I really hope it's something we're never going to go through again. But it's not society and life is not going to go back to the way we knew it in February and January. It's going to be a new normal, as you could call it. There's going to be a lot more, hopefully, caution in the states and the world. Um, because this virus is probably most likely going to become something that, like, we see every so often. Um, like, you see the flu and, like, you see, like, a common cold and such. I've heard rumors, um, like, not rumors, but conspiracy theories of people have written books about a virus exactly like this one that, you know, broke out in this year and will come back in five to ten years and do the same thing all over again, but we'll have obviously better knowledge at that time. Um, Like I talked to some researchers who said that the virus is getting more infectious. Um, While there is one subtype that's, you know, acquitted with, um, I don't even know if that's the right word, but associated with like um, lower death rates and asymptomatic infection, there's five other subtypes that are extremely infectious and a threat to the future. And um, like you said, yeah, they're going through with finding a vaccine, but I think that even a vaccine isn't going to really change anything because there are going to be, you know, those anti-vaxxers out there who aren't going to take it. And then there's, it's just going to continue circling through our society. So I feel like we have to rebuild and, you know, get to know COVID and kind of just incorporate it into our lives and understand that. Like, it's not something we wanted to happen. It's not something anyone ever wants to happen, but it happened, and now we have to live with it. Um, And, yeah, I'm kind of optimistic. Like, Jana, I'm really hoping that football happens because I can't imagine going to school without football, especially with, like, I'm looking into how tailgates and stuff are going to happen, the homecoming celebration. Um, But it's just, it's going to be really weird to, you know, be in East Lansing, but not in East Lansing. Like, I'm not going to be on campus. I'm not going to be seeing my friends and going out on Thursdays and Fridays like it's I guess you just have to have hope even if it's a false hope it's just like something to keep you going until we do find that remedy and that clarity again yeah I think it's been weird these last few months like one week you ask me if sports are going to happen and I tell you no and the next week I tell you yes if somebody asked me like I just it's it's been a really hard and weird and emotional and long ride with this. Um, I'm hoping with this conference-only schedule, um, it will allow the Big Ten to set their own protocols 
and the schools will follow those protocols and they can find a way to get the cases down to a minimum and find a way to make this work. Um, we'll see if that ends up happening. Um, I think talking with Big Ten Commissioner uh, Kevin Warren, that alleviated some of my concerns and made me re- realize kind of where that decision came from, why it happened and how it might actually work. Because seeing the way some of these southern states are handling it concerns me. Um, looking at how, I think Florida was at 16,000 cases, new cases in one day, just a couple days ago. And having Miami travel up to Michigan just made no sense in the middle of this, um, especially with varying testing and varying procedures. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they do this, how they put it together. Um, I hope it works out. I really want it to. But the one thing I cannot stress enough is if you want a football season, wear a damn mask and it might actually happen. And if you don't wear one and you want to complain about it, then you do not get to complain when it doesn't happen. Obviously, if you have a pre-existing condition and you can't wear one, you have a breathing problem, that's understandable. But if you can wear a mask, do it so we, we can have a football season. And one of the other things that drives me nuts is whenever I think we as a, as a media post anything that has some kind of small doubt or small thing of like, hey, this might not happen. And you get people that are like, oh, you just don't want sports to happen. You're the, it's like, yes, I don't want my job back. I don't want, like, I don't want to do what I want to do. It's very frustrating, but I'm optimistic as well. I hope the Big Ten figures this out and this ends up going well because I need it. We all need it. We need something to do. And it would, like Sarah said, it would be really weird without it. And mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes. But and too, just a reminder that wearing a mask isn't to protect you. It's to protect those around you. Mm-hmm. But if everybody wears a mask, then, you know, you're protected too. So, like, I hate that argument so much. And I hate when people comment on articles that I write. And they're like, be careful where you get your science. And, like, they hate on Whitmer. And I'm just like, dude, like, just wear the mask and protect others around you. Like, I'm, I don't know how to tell you this, but you need to care about other people especially at this time. So mm-hmm. if we want to go back to the life we had before, or at least some form of it, the mask is the most minimal pr- protection method that we have right now. And eventually we'll get up there in the ranks with the vaccine and drug treatments. So. Wear a mask. Stop going to Harper's. This is, this is how we solve this problem. <laughs> it's, this is how we got to solve it. But since we are, evidently, we're going back to campus in about a month, month or so here. So I've put together some MSU campus trivia to get us refreshed on what we've been missing out since March. Putting this together was very, um, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, I, it just brought me back and I was thinking about so many different things, thinking about Hubbard Hall, thinking about all these places. It was just like made, made me emotional. It's like, this is so sad. I'm not getting around this, but... So, the way this is going to work, you'll both submit, you'll both tell me your answers, and then I will give you the correct answer. So, our first question, what dorm hall on Michigan State's campus holds the most students? Hmm. Oh. Okay. My answer is Hubbard Hall, because it's quads, and it's 11 floors, Correct. Yeah, it's it's twelve floors, I think, actually. It's twelve. And yeah. So. Yeah, twelve floors and quads. Is Hubbard your guys' final answer? 
Um, that's mine. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Hubbard. I was thinking Acres because it's quad, and so that's four people. But then Hubbard has more floors, and it's still four people. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Hubbard too. It's actually Holmes Hall can hold the most students out of the all of the dorm halls. I looked it up. I because I went <laughs> on to Live On's website, and I swore it was Hubbard. That's why I put together this question. I went on Live On, <laughs> and it was home. It said Holmes Hall can hold the most students. While it's not as many floors, think about how wide it is versus Hubbard. Okay, I, so there's more rooms. Yeah, that's what I got to thinking. Because I think it's, I think Holmes is six? Yeah, I think it's six floors. So, and it's yeah. a lot wider. Because Hubbard, on my floor, I had about 50 people on my floor. So there's not as many as you would think. It holds just over like a thousand students, I think. I feel something. really bamboozled right now because I definitely thought it was Hubbard. With, well, I thought I that too. To look at it. Yeah, you're right. You have to look at it like wide and yeah, rather than like height and floors. And then the rest of them are pretty like about the same, really. If you think about it, the rest of them are about the same size. Other than like Snifi is about the only one that in some of the North neighborhood campuses are different, but those are all smaller too. There's but, just lots of people in the East neighborhood. That's- yes. What you can get out of that question. <laughs> so the next one, this has to do with the River Trail area. McDonnell, Shaw, and Owen are three of four dorms in River Trail. What is the fourth? Um, McDonnell, Shaw, Owen. It's the one that starts with a V. Van Hoosen Hall, I think. It's like the one-story hall, like, right behind Owen. Yeah, I'm going to go with Finn. I think it's Van Hoosen. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, I've never heard of it. A... I think it's like the ROTC, like, or adult. I don't know. It has, like, a special capacity. It is Van Hoosen. Van Hoosen is, I, I, I'm going to look. It's specifically, I was going to look at this before we talked, and I didn't, and I'm mad that I did not. Oh, I just, Van Hoosen Apartments. Yep. They're, like, little apartments, and it's right behind Owen Hall. And I believe can picture it with like colorful balconies. It's right across from that business college complex. Mm-hmm. Right across the street from it. it. Right on like right on the um river trail. Like Yes. Like that big area. Yeah, it's right when you come out of that and you cross the street going towards like that business complex. Um I I believe it is oh, I know it houses like um I think I want to say it's women only. Of course, my internet doesn't want to load on me. Oh, one of one of them is like that, but I'm not sure which one. It might be. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yes. And who's in hall? It's the hall available to women of sophomore status or above with a minimum GPA of two point two. Hmm. Yeah, it's because it's named after. It's named after Dr. Sarah Van Hoosen, gotcha. who was a genetic researcher and fifth-generation farmer that donated land to MSU. Huh. So, yeah, it's a female-only hall. All right. That's sick. I didn't know that that existed. Yep. No, that one was right behind. Was behind Owen, I don't know why. When I was looking through dorms, I was thinking, like, which one could I do that would be confusing? And I was like, I did not. I knew Van Hoosen existed, but I always forget that it actually does. So I was like, that's a good one. <laughs> All right. So which of these – which of – or which of these three locations does not does not have a Starbucks? 
1855 place, the International Center, or the Broad Art Museum. Does not have a Starbucks. Does not. I, I'm going to go with the International Center. I think that's got just a food court with like Panda and Woody's Oasis and Sparty's. Yeah, I th- I've i never been to the Broad Art Museum, but... I have, but I went to like the basement, and I so I don't know for sure if there's one there or not. Yeah. It is I spend the a lot of time in the Food Court International Center, and there's no Starbucks there. It is the International Center. <laughs> I okay. That one, when I looked on where the Starbucks locations were, I was like... I'm so I'm like there's one in Broad Art Museum. I'm like, why is there one in there? And I was like, that. There's a lot on campus though. There's not as many as I thought though. There's a Starbucks directly down the road Mm -hmm. in Grand River, so like Mm -hmm. it's maybe like a two extra minute walk. So like, why would they put it in the art museum? I don't know. That's why it didn't make sense to me. And there's not as many as you think. There's only about like four. There's still a lot for like one place, but there's only about four on campus, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. It makes sense that there's not one in the International Center though, because Wells Hall is directly behind it. And right. Wells Hall has the Starbucks. So it's, again, like a 30-second walk across <laughs> the courtyard. So, next one. Which of the following does not have a Sparties? Owen Hall, Wells Hall, Hanna Administration Building. I know Owen has one because I worked there. Wells um, doesn't have one. I think Wells is just the start. Wait. Yeah, Wells is just the Starbucks. No Starbucks. Wells Hall, final answer. I'm picturing, like, that big hallway with, like, the green wall, and I'm pretty sure there's not a Spartius anywhere. Yeah, I think it's just, it's Wells. It is Wells Hall that does not have one. Why, although my question, why is there a Spartius in the Hand Administration building? Um, I feel like it's for workers more. That's true. work there. Also, it's in a spot like I don't know. It's also like in a spot on campus where like it's easy to access. Like it's right by what the library and like Mm -hmm. North Campus and stuff. And I know the library has one, but it's Mm -hmm. a lot. It's pretty small. Like it's something that you would get like late night snacks at, not I thought it was yeah. interesting when I, I was looking at that one. I'm like, there's one in the hand administration. Why is there one in there? I'm like, that makes no sense. Um, last one, and then this is it. In East Neighborhood, there are three dorms that currently house students with Holmes, Hubbard, and Acres. There's another large former dorm building in East that is, sits next to Hubbard. It, what is the name of that other building? B. Yes. I know what you're... Because I always wondered what that was last year. Fee Hall. I used to go there to print because Acres Hall would be too busy to print, and so would Hubbard. So, like, I would go to their basement printer, and it's very scary down there. But no one lives there anymore. What it's, do you say? I, I think... It's um, classrooms, I'm pretty sure, for, like, the... Um, I heard it was, like, a for the students who are studying, like, dead bodies and stuff. Yeah, it's, like, medical they student center of, and like, stuff. They have cadavers there. I, there's a lot of like a radioactive signs like cancerous material signs like in their basement oh because um, i would go down there to print like i said because the other halls were too busy mm-hmm. nobody knew about this printer my roommate like discovered it and was like we're just gonna print there because it's so much easier and yeah like they have like an old telephone booth too down there and it's really scary like there's a bunch of stuff etched into it it looks like it belongs in like a haunted house but so it's a high- but there's a lot of like those radioactive like hazardous signs and stuff radioactive materials people (laughs) studying dead bodies 
a phone I'm booth. Away from it. <laughs> it's like I've sketch- always wanted to like explore the upstairs of it because I've never been to the upstairs. I've only been to the main floor. Well, and you know what's funny about Fee Hall as well. So living in Hubbard, when for a lot of the pizza places, you can it'll put it, you plug in like Michigan State when you're doing delivery, and it'll be like, oh, what building are you at? Hubbard Hall, for whatever reason, they do not deliver to, but they deliver to Fee Hall. So every time we do that, I would order it and then it'd be like, oh, it'll be ready in like 10 minutes. So I would get down. By the time I got down from the 11th floor, walked over to Fee Hall, it would be 10 minutes. So I would pick up my pizza at Fay Hall. So that was my typical schedule whenever I ordered pizza because that was just, which I still don't understand why they wouldn't deliver to Hubbard Hall. That still makes zero sense to me, but... It says fee. I just looked up what is fee hall, and it says it's a part of the division of human anatomy. So it's a division of MSU radiology in the colleges of human and osteopathic medicine. So yeah, they're studying like bodies and stuff there. Sounds like a giant horror movie to me. (laughs) I want to know like what the upstairs floors look like because they're designed as bedrooms. Yeah, because it's also like when I look in the windows from my room, we could or not from my room, but like when we go outside, there's like plants and stuff up in like in like stuff in the windows so i'm like do people live there or is there like <laughs> it's very confusing i still don't know why it's there but well you guys actually did pretty good on that one the, i'm surprised the holmes hall one was the only one that tripped you guys up you guys got the rest of them yeah i'm ready to be back on campus <laughs> no ma'am that's you yeah, I even though I'm not living in Hubbard or on campus this year, so it's gonna be weird. But like, still, I'm like ready to just walk around and be on campus. You know, mm-hmm. like just to be around it'd be great. Mm-hmm. But that's all I have today. I appreciate both of you coming on and speaking about this, and then partaking in my trivia today. <laughs> Thank you, Eli. All right, so that is all we have. You'll catch us here in about another two weeks with another fresh podcast. For now, um, have a great day. Thank you.